0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AD Banter. Uh, see whenever now I got so used to everyone being here and now people aren't here and that's completely threw my off and derailed me. Uh, this is of course the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello everyone. And we've got a couple holes in the roster this week, Uh, no Steve Barkley and no Liz Malone, Uh, but that's okay. Who needs those people?
1: Anyways, that's right. The show must go on. That's right. It must go on.
0: Uh, so speaking of which I don't want to, uh, waste any time because I'm very excited about today's show. Ryan, why don't you tell the fine folks at home, what the heck we're doing today?
1: Sure. So I was very, very, very pleased to have our guest with us today. She is the National Director of Disability Without Poverty, Rabia Kidder. And I apologize if I mispronounced your last name, Rabia, but welcome to the show. Hey,
2: that is a really good pronunciation. Trust (laughs) me, you could do far (laughs) worse.
1: Well, I did a little bit of research to try and get it right. (laughs) Well, it can be tricky when you've
0: got JAWS. You got to use JAWS to be because right. Jaws is not the most
2: uh, oh, I know, I know. I, I pronounce all kinds of names in Jaws accent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so great. So great you could be with us.
0: Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, we talk a lot on the show, and have talked a lot on the show about um, you know the the accessibility acts, the various accessibility acts. BC here in BC, we just got our own um, last year. So, you know, we talk a lot about them, but we don't often get a chance to really get sort of an informed view um, of them. So we, we are sort of excited to, because politics, honestly, we're, we're kind of all dummies around here. We don't really understand politics. We're, we don't, you know, we sort of just read the headlines and sort of make our own assumptions off there. So we are really excited to be able to talk to you and to sort of get a little bit of a view on the inside track on some of these. But before we get there. Um, Maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about yourself, and a little bit of background about about disability without poverty and how you came to become involved with them.
2: Okay, well, I'm situated here in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, the traditional territories most recently of the Mississauga's of the new credit. I do identify myself as you know, I'm a hyphen with many hijabs because I cover my hair uh, and I believe in Canada's multicultural reality. So I am uh, a Muslim, Punjabi, Pakistani, Canadian woman, wife, mother, yada, 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 advocate of aging parents, sister of individuals with disabilities and I happen to be blind. So that's kind of who I am. Um, I have worked and volunteered and lived disability rights forever, almost, uh, at least working in it for a good 30 years. Um, I got connected to disability without poverty because uh, I um, met someone who was doing work on the West Coast and had been instrumental in bringing forward what we now know know as the Registered Disability Savings Plan, uh, Al Edmanski. I was appointed to the Minister's Disability Advisory Group during COVID and Al was its co-chair. He asked me to host a few webinars in the fall of 2020 which were engaging people with disabilities and their allies and supporters in conversations around, um, you know, poverty and policy and outreach and, and, you know, building capacity um, of a movement. And when the Prime Minister made the promise of a Canada disability benefit, this was a historic opportunity and it was time to take the bull by the horn, so to speak. So Disability Without Poverty came to being. I got involved in its leadership. Uh, we have a leadership table and then eventually I took on the role of national director. So Disability Without Poverty is a coast to coast coast national grassroots movement of people with disabilities. Uh, we engage allies and organizations but the leadership is individuals with lived experience of disability across the country from diverse backgrounds uh, with different Disabilities. So we came to being, and we just, you know, as we keep joking, uh, we started to build a plane and fly it at the same time because we were at the mercy of uh, a political system where, you know, people with disabilities had been left behind during the pandemic and and further marginalized than they ever were before because of the pandemic and its ablest emergency measures and emergency responses. And now there was something good being proposed and we needed to really um, galvanize momentum to, to see this through because we didn't think that it could be left to government to do alone.
0: So, so the organization was really ba- uh, born out of COVID and, and a reaction to COVID, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly.
2: A reaction to the state of poverty and the fact that people with disabilities were being forgotten and under COVID, you know, the the one time only emergency relief uh, that was offered to people with disabilities became, uh, you know, a political little pawn and then eventually was passed you know um workers were valued and got two thousand dollars a month like like snap snap right <laughs> like yeah. like yesterday right. you can't you've never seen money move so fast in government in bureaucracy <laughs> um students got their benefit seniors got their benefit people with disabilities waited until six months later maybe to get right. their benefit get their emergency relief. Right. So, yeah, we took steam because of the pandemic. There was work, you know, there's a lot of work that's being, that has been historically done by organizations and groups spotlighting um, the financial circumstances of people with disabilities. Um, A lot of work was done on the West Coast. We built on that work really laser focused on this one particular proposed bill last year known as C35, which died on the table when parliament was dissolved for an election and then was reintroduced uh, as C22 and now is in its second reading in the house.
1: And so why don't we kind of describe or explain a little bit about what C22 is.
2: So Bill C22 is the the proposed Canada Disability Benefit Act. It only becomes the act once it passes through Parliament and is signed off on. It becomes legislation. It becomes the law, and then it turns into from a bill to an act. Uh, we actually have a very good webinar on our website uh, that was that was. Um, uh, put out in uh, June, uh, how a a bill becomes law. So uh, it is a framework bill that outlines the Canada disability benefit and gives power to government, i.e. bureaucracy, to form regulations uh, in order to deliver the benefit so it's 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 a benefit that does not have um the details in it. like it doesn't have a specific amount. It doesn't have specific eligibility criteria. It's a framework um, bill that, once it becomes law, gives power to the bureaucracy uh, to then uh, put forward regulations.
1: And so it had its first reading in Parliament just recently, did it not?
2: First reading was in June. Second reading was tabled on Tuesday, September 20th.
1: You know, it's
0: and it's so interesting because so many times and we found that with with our particular Provincial Disability Act, too, is that a lot of these acts are written in ways that the language is very vague or not necessarily all that strong. And I know that that can really frustrate a lot of the advocacy groups that that point out a lot of these things. You know, the Accessible Canada Act, um, for example, is is a little bit notorious for for actually providing loopholes to the very organizations and and government agencies that the Act is supposed to sort of be uh, overseeing. Um, do you find that with this particular act, is, is the language sort of frustrating and, and written in a way that is going to leave too much interpretation up to bureaucracy, do you think?
2: Well, we as, you know, uh, Disability Without Poverty and most disability organizations uh, and, and, you know, broadly agree that this act needs to pass as is. And then we need to work with the bureaucracy to, to, to determine those regulations. Because what our fear is that if there's too much detail in the act, if it isn't this just framework outlining what this benefit is going to be like, um, then there's no opportunity to change it, right? For example, right. if okay. they put a minimum amount, if they put any number in there today, No government in the future is going to come and say, "Oh, well, that's too little. We're going to increase it."
0: (laughs) No, that's true. They're going to be like,
2: "Oh, well, you already got what you wanted, right? (laughs) Do that." Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that.
2: That's the big risk in adding in more details that the details then in legislation are very difficult to undo. Regulations can be changed more easily. I see. So, so like one of the examples I can give you is, you know, some of the language in the Ontario, and I'm going to use an Ontario example, forgive me, okay, we are not the center of the universe in Canada, (laughs) but this is where where I'm situated and this is what (laughs) I know. So, um, I served as a commissioner with the Ontario Human Rights Commission, and Um, the word handicapped is still present in the preamble and legislation for the Ontario Human Rights Code. Hmm. And the reason some of that language in the code doesn't necessarily change is if you open it, you know, depending on the flavor of the day of the government, right? If you open up making a legislative change to the Human Rights Code, then you open it up for debate and you risk it all being gone depending on who's in, right, who's in right. power so that's the risk in putting in too many details in legislation and amending legislation is a very difficult process
1: well it's been a difficult process getting to this point you know you can only imagine the fight we would all have trying to like you say get these changes made after the fact
2: exactly
0: so, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about sort of what what kind of implications to sort of the you know the person on the street is going to be with this act?
2: Well, here's here's the basic gist of it, right? Depending on uh, how they define the eligibility criteria and who qualifies, and you know how what kind of income thresholds they set and all that, um, the intention is people who are on fixed income right now that is inadequate and they're living in poverty will have more money. They will have a top-up benefit just like seniors have a guaranteed income supplement. Um, Just like families with young children have the child tax benefit, right? Uh, The the children's benefit. Um, That means just more money and more money in a way that Provincial governments can't cut back. So provincial governments play a huge role in in that Um, and and that has to be negotiated once the bill passes into law. Um, Bureaucrats have to negotiate, the minister has to negotiate with her counterpart ministers that the Canada Disability Benefit won't be clawed back by provinces. So Mm. That's also a big piece. But the whole intention is people will come out ahead with more money. Now, generally, you know, the pot of money is not gonna be infinite. It's gonna be a finite amount, right? So there's gonna be a big X billion dollars. And that X billion dollars has to be spread. And it can mean that everybody with a disability gets some money, or it means, you know, a lot of people with disabilities that are truly in poverty get a little bit more money. So the more people that we want to spread this money to, the less the amount they'll get. The more specific the criteria is of who qualifies for it, the larger the amount.
0: Right. Well, and I've heard that, that there are benefits out there um, and 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 forgive me if I'm getting some of this wrong, but I, I know that I have heard pushback on on some provincial uh, disability benefits in terms of how, who qualifies for those benefits, in the language of how how that qualification process works. So, for example, like making it making it actually difficult for people with legitimate types of disabilities to actually get. The, those benefits. Are you finding that that's something that you're running up against?
2: Well, there, you know, there are, there are so many benefits across the country and each province has its own eligibility criteria and assessment criteria and definition of disability that they're applying. So there needs to be some common understanding of, of who qualifies, Federally, we would say use the Accessible Canada Act definition because that's the generally accepted definition of disability by the disability community. So, um, but but provinces have their own definitions. And some provinces don't even have a disability-specific benefit. Mm. There are different amounts in each province. You know, for example, Ontario just raised its benefit amount to uh, $1,227. Uh, The Alberta, uh, what's called Asia, uh, Alberta income support for, I guess, the handicapped, it must be the age, um, is uh, around, you know, a little over 1600 or something. And in B.C. it's around, uh, you know, over 1300 and something. And in in one of the eastern provinces, it's under Mm $1,000. So there are different amounts across the country, different de- definitions across the country, um, you know, different rules around clawbacks. There's a lot of differences that have to be mitigated. Yikes. To make sure that people with disabilities actually come out ahead.
0: Yeah, and that's gotta be one of the things that's the real, the real challenge. It really increases the number of moving parts and things that you have to look at. And I mean, I guess that that kind of means that each province really needs to have its own sort of grassroots organization that's yeah. that's actively advocating for these things, because it, you just can't do it um, on a federal level.
2: Absolutely. And that's why we are organizing province by province. So in British Columbia, we have Kate and Nusha, they are our, uh, you know, or uh provincial coordinators or provincial organizers. And they're doing a lot of great work meeting with, uh, you know, your, your uh, min- uh, pro- uh, members of, of the uh, legislature there, MLAs and uh, other rights organizations and advocates and, and whatnot. So uh, by province by province, we have to bring people with disabilities and, and allies and supporters together, uh, learn to tell our stories, Uh, figure out reaching out to our politicians and meeting with them and and telling them how important this federal benefit is to us and that they need to stand with us to put pressure on the federal government to make this happen fast and that they also need to be committed to not taking anything away from us because there's this new federal supplemental benefit coming in
0: before we move on from the from this topic i just want to ask just so our our listeners know What can they do to help with this movement?
2: Well, they can go to our website disabilitywithoutpoverty.ca and through our website they can get involved and participate uh, by writing to their MP, requesting a meeting with their MP and impressing upon them the need for a Canada disability benefit. So we do have um, a system there for them to write to their MP. Uh, We also have Information there for them to request a meeting with their IP.
0: So I I, I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about about advocacy in general and and sort of get your take on this. Uh, you know we've been talking a lot on the show in the past few months um, with a with a lot of different organizations, advocacy organizations, and some global and some uh, more local. But I really get the sense that that more so than ever, and especially since COVID. Disability advocacy is becoming more and more important. People need to have their voices heard. And I I, I like to think that it's getting better. I think people in the community are becoming a little bit more involved and a little bit more vocal. But I just want to get your take on it. You know, seeing as Disability Without Poverty is such a new organization and it is led by people with disabilities. Um, I, I just kind of want to get your take on how you feel about about that, and if if you have sensed some real change in the community over the past few years.
2: Well, we are uh, privately um, funded. Funding really helps with this work. Otherwise, we couldn't do what we're doing. Uh, yes, we are people with disabilities. Uh, we have funding to support um, the work. Uh, we have all kinds of disability related supports as well. Like if you notice when we actually do an online meeting or we do um, a webinar, we have French English translation. We have American Sign Language. We have LSQ, which is for, for uh, French Sign Language. Uh, we have captioning. Um, so we do our best to provide all kinds of disability related accommodations to make sure that people can fully participate. Uh, you know, foundations, uh, philanthropic organizations have believed in us and given us, uh, uh, you know, a good amount of funding to do the work that we're doing. Uh, we recognize that we're all people with different disabilities and have different needs, and try our best to support each other in our own ways of knowing and doing and and uh, engaging. Um, I mean, what, what else? Okay, I, I, what else can I tell you? It's it's challenging working virtually and nationally um and and be still being grassroots and we are we are very grassroots in that regard of you know, we're connected on the ground talking to people, we're communicating in all kinds of means to people. We have a lot going on right now in terms of reaching out to people. So we have, you know we we do all kinds of media gigs, we publish op-eds, we have a lot of social media activity happening. Uh, we do a newsletter to connect with people, but we also have uh, public service announcements that are, uh, going on radio across the country. And we have billboard ads in, uh, in Vancouver and in Edmonton and in Toronto. Uh, again, we're just telling our uh, government, our parliamentarians to just hurry up and get it done. People with disabilities have lived in poverty too long. They feel right. abandoned, neglected, left behind, forgotten. We actually have a champion in Minister Qualtro, because she has the lived experience, she is a person right. with a disability. This is her legacy, Bill, that she wants enacted to, to truly make a difference in the lives of people with disabilities who don't enjoy the advantages that she enjoys as a person with a disability.
0: From the perspective of sort of people on the ground, quite often when we're talking about a lot of these things, we get frustrated and as an advocate and as, as an ally, and as Ryan or Ryan's a member of the disability community, it, it seems like this process takes a lot longer to, to become a reality than it needs to. Agreed. Yeah, okay, well, so there you go. <laughs> we Good. just
1: need to stop reinventing the wheel, look at some existing projects that have been done and, you know, adapt and evolve. You know, I don't think we need to keep reinventing what's been done in the past, we need to look at the past, learn from the past and continue to move forward. Instead of, you know, we need more study groups, research panels.
2: Oh, oh, you're so right. You're so right. We are all sick and tired of yeah. being studied and, and yeah. asked to consult and, yeah. you know, give our information freely over and over and over again, yeah. repeat our stories over and over again. We don't need any more evidence. There's nope. enough evidence there's evidence when you see people with it it, it, um, using mobility devices like wheelchairs lining up at the food bank there's your evidence you don't need anything more than that people with disabilities are living in poverty they're hurting financially they need help and the government needs to deliver its time like let's let's do things differently i mean you know we had an awakening through this pandemic (laughs) and you know as ableists, we did resolve for the able bodied world very quickly during yeah. the pandemic. You know, work at home, no problem. That was unfathomable yeah. before. Government, yeah. CRA, working from home.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, come on. So, if we can, if the government can work from home with super sensitive information, Mm -hmm. what's the big deal for a person with a disability to work from home, right? Yeah, which is an accommodation that we begged for for decades and were denied, right? And suddenly, when able bodied people needed it, oh, no problem, yeah, yeah, we need you to work (laughs) from home, go ahead, right? And when able-bodied, when the economy needed money circulating and people needed, you know, the average Canadian needed to pay their rent and buy their food and, you know, keep their cars parked and shiny (laughs) during the lockdown, (laughs) (laughs) we had no problem saying, oh, click, click, here's $2,000 in your bank account.
1: Right. And that's something. You don't care how many
2: people are in your household. Exactly. hardest thing people could have done during the pandemic is just congregate together and bank a whole m- lot of money.
1: And, and that's something I've been mentioning on the show for, for a while now, is that, you know, being part of the disability community, you know, the largest minority group in the world, our voices are slowly starting to be heard. We're starting to come together and make some noise. And I think that's been part of the issue for so long is that we've been so divided and, you know, nobody can agree to disagree and that's worked for the common good of everyone. And I think that is starting to change.
2: We're we're still doing that, Ryan. We are. You know, even now there are some uh, organizations saying, Oh, wait a minute. Why is this benefit only for 18 to 64? And that's because there is a, children's supplemental benefit already out there. And that's because there is a senior's benefit already out there. This benefit may not be ideal for children with disabilities or families of children with disabilities. This benefit, you know, I mean, not, not this benefit, but, you know, there people families of children with disabilities may be facing challenges. Seniors with disabilities may be facing financial challenges. But let's, get what's on the table done, and then we can argue for those things. Let's not argue to change the legislation, right? Because there are already benefits in place for those two populations. Maybe there needs to be a supplement for seniors with disabilities within the seniors guaranteed income supplement. Right. You know, but let's not halt this. Let's move. Let's move. Let's put pressure on. Let's speak up. Let's find our voice. Let's use our power because we have the power to vote. We are 22% of the population in this country. And obviously, we have another 22% of the population or more related to us in our households. And we need to leverage that power. We need to remind our democratic elected people that. We're the ones who vote them in, and they better do right by us or the people we care about.
1: Let's see if yeah. we can get you an accessible voting station. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, that's a oh. whole other conversation, okay? We'll just
0: sorry, <laughs> but no, but that's it, it,
2: it, I, I. I let somebody else, you know, swear <laughs> by God that they'll check off the right box
0: for me. Okay?
1: Yeah, I hear you. Trust you. <laughs> no, don't vote for
0: Doug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, it is, it's, it's so fascinating to me because, you know, everything that you're saying resonates so loudly yet, yet I remember specifically, you know, doing this show during the pandemic and we would, we would look at new different news articles that would say things like, oh, Hey, people with disabilities are being sort of left behind in, you know, it it, like the the COVID is really sort of putting a spotlight on on a lot of these holes in the system. So it got media coverage, people knew about that. But at the end of the day, the, the articles would just come, they would go and nothing really seemed to change. And now that we're on the other side of it, really, it doesn't sound like we really learned many lessons in terms of that. We're just kind of going back to the old, with the with the exception of some great organizations like you guys that are are trying to to move past that. So, but I guess my question is, because this is what really baffles me, because it, you're right, there there's it's, it's a it's a it can be a big voting block. There are certain voices that can be really loud. I feel like if this was another equity seeking group that would that had like given had been giving short change like this or had so many holes in the system, that there could be a real, a real movement against that, real pushback that would be would have politicians paying attention to. But for some reason, the disability community and disability advocacy just I don't know if if it's not taken seriously or if there just aren't enough voices or they're not loud enough or what's or or why change is so slow when it comes to disability advocacy
2: because the advocacy being done typically has only been done by government-funded organizations national government-funded organizations and advocacy is just a little part of the work that they do. They do all this other great work. People with disabilities with lived experience at the grassroots level are not united to do the advocacy.
1: Interesting,
0: yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's the
2: problem. And we're not united because we get divided by the type of disability. We get divided (laughs) by, oh, I'm the person with a disability and those are parents. We get divided by labels. I mean, my favorite example that I always use is people with intellectual disabilities and people with autism. (laughs) Right. Right. It's. Autism's the sexy term, and everybody wants that label, and they're doing their own thing advocating, mm-hmm. and they're a very strong advocacy group, which is great. You know, the families parents are doing a wonderful job advocating for their children with autism. Right. But we've kind of divided and conquered politically a population group that costs the system a lot of money in terms of supports. That's how they're seen right? So mm. running group homes and stuff costs a lot of money, but we're going to, you know, we're going to divide and conquer you guys. We're going to call you the guys with the autism and you the guys with the intellectual disabilities and you the guys with dual diagnosis. And we're just going to keep you all separated. So you don't work together. So you compete for the same resources. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. We, we talked to, uh, to, um, the CEO of, uh, an organization, a global organization called billion strong, Last week, Um, and he was, you know, saying very much the same thing. That's the mindset, you know, all over the world with disability communities, um, is that a lot of times they do feel like they are competing for scarce resources, and they will actively be working against each other. Um, even though, you know, they should be working together, they could be related, or I mean, any disability organization should feel like a kinship to any other organization. But it really always seems to come down to feeling like you're competing for resources. So, you know, I guess the question is, like, how do we how do we break out of that? You know, how do what do we how do we change this system? Because the way that he framed it, he was like, people shouldn't be feeling like they're they're fighting over, you know, a small piece of the pie, they should want the whole pie, you know, like they, they, you all need to work together to have an entire pie instead of feeling like you're, you're fighting over one exactly. piece of it.
2: Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't always feel that something's going to be taken away from us. Right? It's the idea of, of you know, switching from me to we and, and, you know, the the common good, right? So it's, it's, it's some of those sort of traditional communal concepts where everybody worked together to achieve what they needed right and and to be like successful and and uh supported and fed yeah (laughs) whereas you know in in our sort of doggy dog capitalist world it's just me 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 and that resonates across the board in everything for us right it's all about me and even amongst people with disabilities it's about me you know,
1: yeah.
2: I'm facing the most barriers because I'm blind or right. Right. I'm more disabled than you are because I'm quadriplegic in a wheelchair or, yeah. oh, I don't have a disability. I just speak another language. All of you have a problem and you need interpreters to talk to me. Right. So we divide ourselves.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, and I guess that's the challenge of the, the disability community is that it's so wide ranging? Like you have people who have different needs all across the board, even within the you know the same sort of disability identity. You know, for people who are blind, you can have a wide range of of gradients uh, and and needs. And you know, let alone somebody with autism to somebody who's a who's a paraplegic, it, it's so hard to to be able to build something that fulfills everybody's needs. And I guess that that's part of the challenge with such a large community.
2: Yeah, and that's why we haven't been united. But in this case, it's money. It's financial, you know, autonomy. It's all of us, regardless of our type of disability, may be experiencing poverty if we're on provincial benefits. Right. And therefore, we need to work together to achieve something for all of us,
0: and I mean something like this, something like your organization—it's such a simple ask. It's not like you're, you're you're trying to completely renovate every single built environment uh, across the country. You're literally just saying, "Hey, we just need—we just want people with disabilities to not uh, live below the poverty line." That's it. Like that's—it seems like it's a simple ask, and it's incredibly difficult to, to even get the needle moving in the, in in that sense.
2: And it's actually, you know, we want them to not have to live with poverty, but we want them to have money to spend to buy their basic needs so they can live with dignity. It's, and, and what people need to understand is you're not giving money to people to get rich. They're not going to hoard it. They're not going to bank it and invest it and grow it and get filthy, disgustingly wealthy, you know, on taxpayers' backs. Right. That's not what they're going to do. They're actually going to take that money and go out and buy the food they need pay their rent buy clothes do their laundry maybe you know like they're going to meet basic basic needs like there are awful awful stories out there you know people can't but you know not government does not pay for everything for people with disabilities Mm -hmm. right they don't and people need to understand that people with disabilities can't go and buy painkillers for god's sake to battle a headache so that they can function and do something during the day, right? Or they don't, they can't go out and um, buy the clothes they need for a job interview.
0: Yeah, well, and, and you know, we saw this all the time over co- with, with COVID, right? Like so many, of the, the, so many times the, the, a lot of the, the mandates and the solutions that we came up with as a society um, didn't consider people with disabilities at all. Um, and it made it incredibly hard for yep. for somebody with uh with say who is blind to go to the grocery store because if you're blind and you're in a grocery store, how are you gonna maintain six foot distance between anybody? Well, we couldn't yeah, even and, and,
2: we and could... the online apps weren't accessible.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know? the apps weren't accessible, the arrive can app wasn't accessible when it was first launched, COVID yeah. tests weren't accessible, you know, like we were left out of that whole conversation.
2: Completely. Yeah. Completely. yeah completely left out. But, you know, now we need, to, we need to have a little trust. I mean, part of the thing that keeps the disability community fragmented and not united is we don't trust each other. <laughs> you know, we don't like the kind of stuff I, I keep hearing is, you know, we need to build trust. We need to feel safe coming together. Right. And it's, and, and a little bit of it to me is like, guys, let's keep our eye on the prize we may not do things right but let's get the prize Yeah. you know we might not get everything right along the way but let's get the prize that's that's the you know the Mm -hmm. goal the goal is 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 the Canada Disability Benefit into people's bank accounts before next Thanksgiving right that's the goal for me
1: yep well that means... I watch
2: people in twenty twenty three to be able to give thanks for the Canada disability benefit.
0: Well, you know, you're angling for a repeat appearance then uh, <laughs> in one year so that we can revisit this. and uh, we'll see where we're at. Maybe we'll maybe it will be a celebratory uh, podcast episode.
2: Well, right now, we just need people to come come to Ottawa uh, if they have the means for people to get out. Uh, on to Parliament Hill on October the 19th at 12 noon Ottawa time and come rally with us for the Canada Disability Benefit. We want the government to pass C22 in 2022. Yes. We want them to budget the CDB in spring 23. And we want to we want them to deliver the CDB in September, 23, just in time for Thanksgiving.
1: Love it. Love it. And so if people want to follow, I know you guys have hashtags as well for a bunch of this different, different topics.
2: Hashtag CDB by 23. Hashtag end disability poverty, you know, um, and just come check us out at disabilitywithoutpoverty.ca. That's
0: right. We we need the voices. People need to, to start getting involved. As much good work that is slowly happening, um, you you need to push them and to let your voice be heard. And I think that that just becoming involved in one thing in your local community or one thing uh, in a in a national movement. Um, become a member, find out what's going on, figure out how you, what you can do to help and to take action. That's what every single person needs to be doing because now's the time. I'm sorry. That noise was me getting off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we want to thank you so much for, for taking some time out and talking to us about, about this uh, today because uh, it's been really informative I know that me, I'm angry now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna take some action on my end. Ryan, you better too. Uh, I am, yes. There you
2: go. Good, good. Go tell those party leaders to get their act together and not waste our time.
0: Sounds good. Yes. I, I can't life's, make it. Life,
2: life's, life's too short. You know, they gave people with disabilities the right to medical assistance in dying. Give them the right to live with this benefit.
0: And uh, I mean, I, I can't make it to Ottawa, I don't think, but <laughs> I'm still not flying, man. I just you can write trust... your MP. I can, you, exactly. I can. Yeah,
2: just write yeah. to your MP, call your MP, you know, write an article. I mean, you're doing your part through this podcast, my friends.
0: That's true. But you can always do more. That's the thing. I got time to write a letter.
2: <laughs> hey, you don't even I'll have to write. Time. You just got to click a couple of buttons on our website.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Well, Hey, listen, you're you've sold. I can, <laughs> I can definitely do that.
2: Okay. Awesome.
0: So, and I encourage every single person that's listening to this to do the same. That's disabilitywithoutpoverty.ca. go take some action, find out how you can help click some buttons. It's all it takes. And let's get this done. So uh, we am going to look forward to, to having you back on next Thanksgiving. We'll have some Turkey, some wine and uh we'll celebrate we will celebrate uh the act.
2: I'll I'll get my halal turkey and I'll I'll, I'll skip the wine, okay?
0: Sounds Fire good. Fits. sounds <laughs> good. That's great. Perfect.
2: All right. Take Robby, care. Thank Thanks you All so right. much. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. See, I am mad now. Like that just made me mad. I was I was, I was... Yeah,
1: well, you yeah. know, it's what happens when you have diff- different Persons with this, well, when you have people disagreeing, doesn't matter if it's disabled or not. You know, nothing yeah. gets accomplished.
0: Well, that yeah, and then bureaucracy is just so hard. Politics and bureaucracy are just exhausting to yes. try to follow, and they're just ugh, the language behind the acts that I make mean, your eyes mm-hmm. roll back in your head, and they're so it's so vague and yep. yeah, it's and things get mired down. First reading, second reading, blah blah. Like it's just
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's why you know you can follow them on Twitter facebook you know just their newsletter if you don't want regular updates follow the newsletter and get updated that way there's lots of good information out there
0: well i, I but i do really think that it's, it is really important for people to start to get involved uh, i think that for too long we have just kind of assumed that you know what this is something that that we don't have any power against or that, you know, the, whatever, the provincial, you're the that you're basically, you know, beholden to federal like legislation or provincial legislation, you don't really have a say in anything because nobody, nobody seems to listen. The only way that they're going to listen is it's going to be strength in numbers. And you yeah. just have to get involved with some of these organizations and disability without poverty is a great, great organization. If you're going to, if you're going to get involved somewhere, that's the place to do it because this is a, an opportunity to make some real change in short order. Like, this is, you know, we're talking next year, this could be in place. So, um, I'd encourage everybody to go and find out how you can, uh, you can support them and how you can uh, take some action and, and help lend your voice to this because there's no way that, that uh, they're not, people aren't looking out for it for you.
1: Well, that's just it. You know, how long have we sat by thinking to ourselves, Oh, somebody else will do it. Somebody else okay. will take care of it. Right. Yep. This is an instance where at any point, any one of us could be facing a poverty type situation. Sure. And so, you know, this affects all of us.
0: It, it absolutely does. Cause anybody can enter into this community at any time. Yep. Um, and it's just, you know, it's the right thing to do. It, it is. It, this is, you know, even if it, yeah.
1: Anyways, it's, Get it done. You're
0: gonna get me, you're gonna be going on a rant again to wow. climb down off my soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was good. It's, it's very dangerous. But yeah, I I that was that was great. It was informative and uh yep. I'm uh I'm excited to see what happens next year. Yeah, I'm Checking excited about this them. Ottawa rally. Finally, people going to Ottawa that aren't a bunch of dumb truckers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention the truck rally. I
0: know. I was like, going you know, to be too. I was just like, maybe people can hitch a ride with the truckers, like get them all stirred up about Trudeau and then
1: Well, and this is is hitch one a insta- ride. This is one instance where y- you can kind of look at that as being somewhat effective because how often do we see news last as long as something like that did? You yeah, know, we'll, we'll get a, a sudden flash of news and then it's gone and people forget about it. Yeah, This is an instance where we can keep constant pressure, keep our voices heard on a consistent basis and just keep saying, get this done, get this done, get this done. This doesn't have to go away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's unfortunate, but the way that the the media works, you know, things that are, that are outrageous or things that are controversial tend to be the things that, that have the most staying power, you know, instinct like the trucker convoy. I mean, God, Mm -hmm. weeks and weeks of that, of that nonsense of these guys that was in the news cycle for weeks and weeks. And, you know, if if that could have been some sort of a disability uh, movement and had led you know, and had shed that much light on these issues. Um, It would have been amazing, but no, we got weeks and weeks about, you know, a bunch of conspiracy theory, anti-vax a-holes that, you know, just went and blocked streets and that got so much oxygen. It's, it's really frustrating
1: when it is. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, disability without poverty is doing something I haven't heard anybody else doing, even some yeah. of the largest disability organizations in Canada, that yeah. they're having billboards put up. They're doing yep. media over radio. Um, you know, they are putting the word out in people's faces, in people's ears, that this has to happen. So kudos to them, because like I said, some of the largest organizations in Canada, I haven't seen them mention anything. They're doing great yep. work. Yep. I'm impressed.
0: Yeah, me too. I love it, and like I said, I'm going to go onto their website, click a bunch of buttons. Yep. And uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. So
1: awesome, possum.
0: Um. All right. Well, I think uh, shall we get out of here, my friend?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Back to work.
0: All right. Well, uh, where can people find us, Ryan?
1: They can find us online at
0: atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell. At atbanter.com.
1: And they can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we need to stop promoting Instagram because we don't do squat over there.
0: Well, one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> By that time, all the kids will be off Instagram and they'll be onto something else anyway. They're, all, so.
1: they're not on it now, anyway.
0: No, they kind of are. Instagram are is they still kind still? of a thing
1: with the youngins.
0: Yeah, they still really? like
1: Instagram. Yeah. Instagram they were all doing the, the TikTok thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but they're different animals. That's true. They're, it's very different. You can't you you know Instagrams to post pictures of your food and to make a duck face and
1: I'm going to create a social media platform called Clip Clop. Mm-hmm. I like that. What is mm-hmm. it for horses? <laughs> it's like TikTok for horses. It'll be for hooved animals.
0: Yeah, no. Listen, that's, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> hey, another million dollar idea. Yeah, that someone's going to steal. There you go, Elon months. Musk. That's right. Three months, Elon Musk will launch Clip Clop. <laughs> Given him way too much material. He already ripped off our
1: Mars mission idea. So flip flop, clip clop. The electric top. car. Yeah. Uh
0: All right. Uh That is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks of course to Rabia for joining us. Big thanks for everybody for listening in and we will see everybody next week. Bye.
2: This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian assistive technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com, that's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com, or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840, or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.